true about it's true about here that the biggest thing that we were at and there were uh, they had cheaper lights cheap lights at work it's, I think sounds like oversells us sometimes you know what I mean I mean and they're not as it's a farther throw than this but it's not I was covered in sin and shame I heard mercy call my name Good morning. Good morning, guys. So excited that you're here with us today. My name's Clint. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, this week, we had, uh, oh, I'd say we've had about 24, 25 people head out to youth camp this last week. And so you see a few people who are completely exhausted. I asked some of the kids, I said, what did you do? We got back on Friday. I asked a few of them, what did you do on Saturday? They said, we slept the entire day. And so we had some amazing volunteers. We had some amazing people who were able to go to that. Um, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of students that actually gave their life to Jesus. Um, we had one, we had two or three rededications. And we're going to get to see that, hear those stories. The first time we're able to baptize in our new baptistry, um, we have a lot of that stuff in. As you see, we have things that are changing. We have rock that's on the front of our uh, front of our stage, and that stuff's being worked on. We're getting the rest of it to be able to keep working and making progress. So every week, you get a little bit closer of having our renovation completely done. But uh, it's just an exciting time. Um, it's an exciting time that we're able to go through summer and. All the things that happen in summer when it comes down to our kids' ministry happens in VBS and that happened at youth camp. A lot of those things, we're going to celebrate those things at the end of the summer. Um, I know that we're going to get to go to Splash Kingdom on August 1st. So if you have a August 1st, Sunday night, August 1st, I think it's next Sunday or two Sundays from now, um, try to be able to make that. You can invite anybody you want, have as many people as you want to bring them. We always love it. Um, we do take a beloved offering. It's not for the church. We are usually always give that away uh, to be able to help out other people, but it's always a really small amount. Um, guys, we're always excited to be able to see you here on Sunday morning. Um, I know there's some people we, we see is every week because they're a part of our family, but if you're a visitor with us today, we're really excited that you're here visiting with us today. I know we had some visitors even visiting the youth group today, and we're really excited that you're here and you're with us. I'm happy that Trey's here. Um, we have a boy in our youth, camp, our youth group that actually was the camper of the week, and he, we have the camper of the week here. I mean, we're all privileged to have the camper of the week here today, and so that's a really exciting thing. I just want to embarrass him. He's getting red. I can see it from here. Anyway. Guys, we're really excited that you're here. If you're visiting with us, we want to talk to you, see you. Hopefully someone said hi to you. If they didn't, I will take care of that later. Um, but guys, we're really glad. Let's, let's pray and let's begin and let's worship. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. And God, I thank you so much for how good you are. That God, all the things that's happened through the summer with all the things that you're doing, that God, that it is your will and your providence that we can trust in. That, God, that you are moving in the hearts of students and people. And, God, that, that this world wants to talk about how it's not about God and it's not about Jesus anymore. But, God, we're saying without a doubt you're not done yet. That, God, you're still moving in our hearts. You're moving in the, the youth's hearts. And, God, I pray, Lord, that we could move in some adults' hearts. That, God, that we would step out on faith. That, God, that, that, that us as adults, we would follow the lead of our students and that we would have the courageous ability to understand that it doesn't take youth camp to be able to get people on fire. That, God, that you are the same every day, all the time, no matter what. And, God, I pray, Lord, that we would know that, believe that, and have trust in that. God, I pray, Lord, that for us adults, we would understand that church is not the only place that, that you are, but, God, that you're everywhere. 
And God, I pray, Lord, that, you, that you're calling all sinners to know you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we hear your call. And Lord, everyone in this room, we need you. And I pray, God, that we would give you the attention and the allegiance that you deserve. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you get all the glory from everything that we do today. It's not about the sermon and it's not about the music. It's all about you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Thank you. Amen. Guys, let's worship. Stand and sing. this time.
gates of Zion, we will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things, we will say together, we will feast and weep no more. Amen. Sing forth in glorious day, oh, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, oh, bought with the precious blood.
God, help us to just believe in that this morning. God, help us to have confidence in what we sing, that it's in your love that we can sing these words. It's in your grace that we can even approach you, God. And Lord, I pray that today that you would bind us together by the power of your peace, by the power of your love. And God, that we would come together under the banner of your name and consider your, your, the word that you've given us as nutrition for our lives, as encouragement for our lives. God, help us to believe in everything that you have for us today. God, help us to take joy in the things that you've already given us and to consider every trial something to worth cherish, God. Consider it joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Our children are being dismissed for Children's Church. Thank you, Jason, for singing that song, especially uh, the very powerful words is what we want to talk about this morning, that no power of hell and no scheme of man can ever pluck us from his hand. Uh, this morning's all about hope. In fact, the next two Sundays. This Sunday and next Sunday are all about hope. I want to give you hope. I feel like for 11 weeks I've kind of told you all about the culture and how the culture is affecting us moment by moment, day by day, and how it's just kind of overwhelming us. And the Lord really put it on my heart that it's time to talk about hope and how we have hope. And so for this Sunday and even for next Sunday, I just want to be an encourager to you, and I hope that you will find in the scripture the encouragement that I so desperately want to make sure you hear me talk about. Now, don't get me wrong, the, the world is changing, the culture is changing, and, and we're being pressed in from all sides. Everything that I've talked to you about the last 11 weeks is true. Uh, there is no doubt that we're in a war, but the truth is that no scheme of man can ever pluck us from his hand. That's a, that's a scriptural truth. Uh, that's the, the truth that we find in the New Testament where it tells us that when we become believers in Christ, we become like a finger on the hand that can't be pulled off or taken away. And when we become believers, we get to walk with him. And that's where I hope we will find our hope. I've tried to equip you with scriptures and tools and, and things that would help you confront the world that's going on and as it's pushing against you and pushing against our belief system. Well, that's all true, but you know that this statement is true also, that this world is not our home, that we're just passing through here. And I'm so thankful for that. Understanding that, you know, as well as I do, that we're called to be the salt and the light to a very dark world. 
And I want you to know that one of the ways that we proclaim our salt and our light to a very difficult world is we do it by not giving up, by having hope. And when we project that hope out to other people, they see it in us and they know that we are different than they are. I thought about this when I was preparing for this sermon. You know, when, when two armies are engaged in conflict and they're fighting each other, inevitably what happens is one of them begins to wave the white flag and they surrender. What they're doing when they do that is they're giving up the fight. They're admitting that they're defeated. They, they're surrendering. The, the universal term, you don't have to know somebody's language to know that when you do this in front of them, it means that th they give up. If you go back and look at World War I pictures or World War II pictures or when we were in South Korea fighting the North Koreans, when, when we were in conflict with Japan, when you see soldiers do this, you know that they're giving up. They're waving the white flag. You know, that white flag is the flag that means we're defeated. We surrender. We give up. You see it in the world of boxing, too. I don't know how many of you are boxing fans or if you've ever uh, watched any boxing or any mixed martial arts or any of that kind of stuff. But there's pretty much a universal sign. In mixed martial arts, the referee just comes in and he stops a fight. He stands in between the fighters. And I love that picture because that's a picture of what Christ does for us. He stands in between us and he says, you don't have to fight this fight anymore. I'll fight this fight for you. In boxing, the corner will throw in the white flag or the white towel. That's what they usually do in boxing. Usually there's towels all over the side. And you've seen before where the, the boxer's corner will take that towel and they'll throw it in the ring. In fact, if you go YouTube it and look it up and you see where a white towel has been thrown in, they just don't kind of toss it in the side. You usually see the corner take it and they'll throw it from the back and they'll throw it to the front and throw it in the middle of the ring to let the referee know that their corner is given up, that they don't want their boxer to be in this fight anymore. They're admitting to defeat. At some point, we're, we're all going to be in that place where we're feeling like we're defeated, that we just feel like we need to throw in the towel, especially with the way the culture is now. I mean, when we send our kids to school, there's a lot of us that just want to throw the white towel in. Some of you are struggling with your marriages, and, and I understand the, 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 the want and the desire to, to, to wave the surrender flag. I, I get that. Some of you have financial issues, and, and, and you're just wanting to give up. And, and I've been there. I, I understand that. Some of you just physically, you're physically sick. You're tired. Uh, some people may be watching Home Online right now who are struggling physically, and, and they can't make it to church, and they just want to give up. They, they want to throw in the white flag. We're, we're all going to reach that point sometime in our life. I mean... Somewhere in our journey that the Lord has given us on this earth, there's going to be a time where you just think, it's done, I'm over, I just want to give up. And then we move on. And we move on and we think, is this all there is? Is, is there nothing else to life? 
And I know what you're thinking right now. I know what you're saying to yourself. You're saying, wait a second. He told me he was going to talk about hope. <laughs> what happened? Well, turn in your Bible with me to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And let me introduce you to Paul that all of you know and are very familiar with if you've studied the word at all. And you know that I'm going to show you, or at least I, I hope and pray that you will sense that I'm going to show you that there is a hope. Jason, were you able to get that thing on there? I want to show you. You remember I've been giving you one example. Why do we need hope today? You know, the world is pushing in on us. I, I gave something to Jason late because I, I just found it the other day, and I thought I'd given it to him to, so I could show you this uh, example. You know, I've been reading examples of things that are going on in the world and how the culture's pushing against us. I thought I would show you a picture of an example of how the world is pushing in against us. Can you put it up there, Jason? You see this? This is the new emojis. You know, I don't know how familiar you are with emojis. I'm not all that tech savvy or anything along those lines. And I didn't even know this, but so they come out with new emojis about every year and they add things to it that are cultural that they think are better. You know, like I, one of my favorite emojis that I use all the time when I'm texting somebody is the dark glasses and the guy smiling, you know, kind of a deal. And then we almost all use the one if you are a tech savvy, you know, with, with the laughing and the guy crying because he's laughing so hard and do all that. One of my favorite ones, because like, I, I usually send it to Laura all the time, is the guy going like this, you know, that when he's, you know, going, come on, you knew that already, kind of a deal. So they come out with new emojis every September and they go through this big panel of, you know, what, what do we really need to add to the emojis? Do you see the one in the middle? The guy with the mustache? Pregnant man emoji. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what somebody else said. They thought that's what I look like after I eat lunch. But that's not what that is. That is seriously a pregnant man emoji. And there's different colors of different men who are all pregnant next to him. So you can pick and choose the color that you want to be of the man that you want it to be as he's pregnant. And I thought so too. I, I really did when I saw that and I read about it. I thought, oh, somebody's just making that up. It's really just, because uh, we probably do need a fat guy emoji, you know, just, to, you know, there's so many of us that kind of like that, you know, just after we've eaten Thanksgiving dinner or something, that would be a great emoji. But it's not. It's specifically the emoji council put on there that they wanted to represent what the world looked like today and they felt like they needed to have a pregnant man emoji. Okay, give me some hope, Bobby. All right, 2 Corinthians 4.16. We're going to look at the words of Paul here in the letter he wrote to the church at Corinth. I, I know you think you've got it bad probably wherever you're sitting. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this before. We've laughed about it. We could probably all have some kind of a sit-down pity party and figure out who's got it worse in here today. We've all got it worse. But let me tell you something about Paul before we read this. Uh, if anybody had a reason to not have hope, to be losing heart, Paul did. His, his life pretty much consisted of one overwhelming 
challenge after another. On five different occasions, Paul was beaten with a whip. And he was beaten 39 times. Now, if you don't know the significance of the number of 39, everybody in the Roman Empire thought that 40 lashes would kill you. And so whenever they beat somebody with, with whips, they would always beat them 40 or 50 or 60 times if they wanted them to die. But they would beat them 39 times if they wanted to bring them right up to the edge of death. The scripture tells us that three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was pelted with stones and he was left for dead. Three times he was in a shipwreck. And once he spent the day and the night drifting aimlessly at sea. He was betrayed and he was abandoned by people that he thought were his friends. He was the target of religious hypocrites. Now, I'm not talking about people that didn't believe. I'm talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who really targeted him from a religious standpoint and told him that he didn't know what he was talking about, that he was untrained, unscholared, uh, that he was just basically an idiot for believing what he believed. The churches even that had begun to form and begun to follow after Christ criticized him. When he would write them letters, they would criticize him and say that he didn't know what he was talking about. He was often broke financially. He was hungry. He was cold. He was left outside. His life was not easy. There's a tendency to read about Paul and think, oh my gosh, he probably had it pretty good because he loved the Lord so much. And, and he was one of uh, the Lord's great tools to be used to the glory of the kingdom, and that is true. But to think that he didn't have the ability to lose heart or to lose hope and to think the whole world was against him is just absolutely wrong. But here's the deal. Paul refused to quit. He refused to even think about quitting. He refused to surrender. He wouldn't let anybody throw in the white towel. He wasn't about to raise his arms to anybody. He was not going to lose heart. And neither should you. And neither should I. So Paul takes these few verses right here that I want to share with you this week and next week. And he writes a letter to the church. And he says, look, let me tell you why you shouldn't lose heart. Let me tell you why you should have hope. And look at 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse. Therefore, and there's always a reason that the therefore is there. It's one of the first things they ever teach you in seminary is if the word therefore starts off, why is it therefore? And the reason that the therefore is there is because he's been talking in this whole chapter about how they have something to look forward to in the future. Remember what I told you just a few minutes ago, that famous line that all of us love, that this world is not our home, that we're just passing through? That's what Paul has been sharing with the church in Corinth for this whole passage, this whole chapter 4 is all devoted to, look, I know that there are things going on. I know that there's struggles in your life. I know that you're going through all kinds of issues, but let me tell you something. Therefore, chapter 4, verse 16, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, 
yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, I love it when I read that because I know what you're thinking. It's the same thing I'm thinking. Wait a second. Why in the world would he say light and momentary? Why would he almost blow off what's happening in my life right now? Why would he blow off my struggle with my money or my struggle with my marriage or my struggle with my home or my struggle with my job? Why would he call that light and momentary? Because if you keep reading, it says, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Listen, you may think you're on the two-yard line and you've got 98 yards to get to a touchdown. And that may be exactly where you are. But the Lord promises you that even if you're on the two-yard line and there's 98 yards ahead of you, that he's got it covered. And that what's happening right now in your life is only momentary compared to what's waiting for you in glory. I've told you this story before, I think, and you'll forgive me for telling this to you again, but when my dad was getting ready to go be with the Lord, we had him living at our house, and we were trying to make him as comfortable as possible. We knew that his time was short. We didn't know how much longer he had, and we uh, got him out of bed that morning and we had a hospital bed that was coming because it was getting difficult for him to get in and out of bed. And so we helped him get out of bed and moved him into his favorite Lazy Boy recliner and he sat down in that recliner and they came in and delivered that bed and built that bed so that he could get into it from then on and it would be easier to get him up and down and, and let him uh, sit up and those kinds of things in bed. And they finished building that bed and they went and got in the car and, and they drove off and my dad was sitting in that lazy boy. And I, I turned to him and said, Dad, do you want me to help you get back into bed? And he said, nope. He said, I just want to sit here. And I said, okay. And I turned and left the room and we had a sitter that was sitting with, with him and I turned and left the room and had not stepped out of the door more than two steps and she screamed and I turned around and came back in and my dad had his hands lifted in the air. We called hospice who had been helping us. She had only been there just a little while before and she said, I'm, I'm turned around I'm coming back right now. And I'd already talked to my dad, you know how these things go if you've ever been around in a situation like that. When I turned back in, my dad had his arms lifted up and uh, his eyes were closed. And I just said, Dad, it's okay. And part of me was saying to my dad exactly what you would say to any believer, which is these momentary afflictions are about to be gone in your life. What's been prepared for you since the day you were born and, and the day you became a believer is waiting for you. Mom is waiting for you. The family is waiting for you. And more importantly than any of that, the Savior who died on the cross and who rose again three days later is waiting for you to come home. Now, I didn't say it like that. I wouldn't be in all theological with my dad getting ready to go meet the Lord. I was just saying, it's okay, Dad. 
But that's what was running through my mind. I mean, that's the things that were happening in my mind. The lady from hospice came in the door, you know, and I thought, uh, I, I just thought, you know, I'd had this most unique, incredible experience watching my dad go home. And, and hear me say this, because it's important that you hear me say this. Watching my dad go home, not surrendering to this life, but having hope for what was coming. I believe that with all my heart, that he had hope for what was waiting for him. And so the hospice nurse came in, and I said, you're not going to believe what just happened. And I told her the whole story, and I told her about him raising his hands, and she said, you know, I hear that story almost every week. And I said, what? And she said, I deal with a lot of believers. She said, just like your dad. And she said, almost every week when I'm dealing with a believer who's left this world, they tell me that when they were passing to go to the next world, that they just raise their hands. And I thought, you know what? These people who believe in Christ and who are walking in faith with Christ are putting into practice because of their faith and because I believe with all my heart that my dad saw Jesus and just said, let's go. And I believe with all my heart that he had hope because he saw Jesus. Now, you can make up any story you want to. You can make fun of me. You can tell me about all the science of his heart stopping and all that kind of stuff. That's fine with me. But I'm telling you, my scripture teaches me that this was a momentary passage of his life that he lived for 86 years and he had glory waiting on him. And he raised his hands and said, get me there. Listen, this is what Paul's teaching. When you look at verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. Listen, when, when I walked in to see my dad with his arms raised, I can promise you there was a lot of things that were going through my mind right then. But one of them was not, I've lost heart. Because I don't think my dad had lost heart. When, when, this, when Paul says that outwardly we are wasting away, he, he could be referring to a lot of things. And the truth is that it, we don't exactly know. We know that his body was probably wasting away. He could be referring to the times that he was beaten 39 times with a whip. He, he could be referring to the fact that he spent so many nights in jail. There, there's no telling what he's referring to. When I read that passage right now, though outwardly we are wasting away, I just kind of relate to it right now. Because at 65, I just kind of feel like my body's kind of wasting away. I don't, I'm just, I'm not trying to weird you out or anything, but I want to just show you my arm right here with these bruises right here. There's something that when I turn 65 now, when I just touch something, it just freaks out. Yesterday, I was outside with my 40-year-old body with a chainsaw, and I was cutting down a branch that had fallen. I was going, and I walked in, and I was bleeding all down this arm. And usually what happens is Laura goes, what happened? And I don't know. 
I had a chainsaw and I was cutting up a branch. And I must have just like touched a pine needle or something because that's what's happened. And it's not this arm. This arm is fine. I can hit that arm and it, it's not. But this arm, if I touch it for some reason, it starts. It's really frustrating. And I don't like getting old. There, there's absolutely nothing that I can find that's joyful about getting old. Ugh. But I, I just know that's part of life. But listen to me. It's important for you to hear me say this, especially with this body. This body does not define me. I, I'm not limited by my physical capabilities anymore. And I'm not going to lose heart just because I'm getting older. Listen, that's one of the reasons I enjoy flying right now. I, I was telling Wayne out in the, in the foyer, I, I said, um, my insurance company called me, uh, or actually sent me a letter the other day with my uh, airplane and said, we're dropping you from insurance. And I was, next day I was flying with my instructor friend who we were just flying when he wasn't teaching me anymore because I got it all figured out now. Uh, but we were just flying for fun. And uh, I said, hey, my insurance company sent me a, a letter the other day and said, they're dropping me from my insurance. And he said, how old are you? And I went, well, I just turned 65. And he went, oh, <laughs> what does that mean? I, I, actually, I turned it, I said, Taylor, what does oh mean? I said, what does that mean? He said, well, they're getting really snotty with older people flying planes now. And I went, I wish you'd have told me that before I bought the plane. I said, I was planning on keeping it for a few years and having a lot of fun with it. And so I ended up calling the insurance company and I said, are you dropping me because of my age? And she said, no, no, no. She said, that insurance company is only doing bigger planes and only doing more premiums than you're paying for your little bitty plane. And I went, oh, okay. And she said, you don't need to worry. She said, I've got some people that are 80 years old that I'm still insuring to fly. And I went, all right. Listen, Paul here in the scripture is challenging us to remember that your body, whether your body's 20 and you're like amazing shape right now, or your body's 40 and you're beginning to wonder what's happening with your body, or whether your body's 60 or 70 like mine, you're going, boy, what happened to that body? It's not that, that's not necessarily what he's talking about. He, he may be talking about the physical body, but what he's saying here is, therefore we do not lose heart because though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, and he's turning here to what is the most important thing, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. You see, even though I'm 65, God's still renewing this inside me every day, day by day. When Wayne and I were talking about the plane out there just a minute ago, I told him that one of the most fun things about flying to me is that you have to keep getting better. I related it. I'd never thought about this before, but I related it to a believer. It's why being a believer is so much fun, if you allow it to be. If you won't 
take being a believer and being a Christian as some kind of a, a weight that somebody's thrown on you and it's almost like you're being punished for being a believer. But no, the hope in being a believer, the great joy in being a believer is every day you can find something new and you can get renewed and you can find the joy in what it means to be a believer. If your hope is in striving for external things, listen to me. If your hope is in striving for external things, if I can just get the bigger house, if I can just get the cooler car, if I can just get more money, if I can just get that hot girl, if you can just do this or just do that, and it's all about the external, your body is wasting away. Your spiritual body is wasting away. Your mind is wasting away. Everything's going to end. Listen, I, I told you about my dad a minute ago. You know, when my dad died, he died with nothing. Now, don't get me wrong. My dad did well financially. He was very kind to our family. Uh, he had all kinds of things. When my dad died, he still had a car. He still had his clothes. He still had uh, money. He, he still had all kinds of things. But my dad died just like you're going to die and just like I'm going to die. He died with nothing. He didn't take anything with him. He didn't take his car with him. He didn't take his, his uh, money with him. He didn't take his clothes with him. I don't know what you've been piling up externally, probably a lot like me, you know, trying to pile up things and, and, and get some things together and be kind to your family. Nothing's wrong with that, but I can promise you this. You're not carrying it with you when you die. You're always going to be disappointed and discouraged by external things. They'll, they'll never make you happy. Listen, my, my plane, my, my new truck, my, my house, they bring me uh, joy. But they don't bring me the joy that only Jesus can give those kinds of things are, are wonderful. They're great things for us to be able to have, but they're, they're an ever-moving target. Have you ever thought about that? It's interesting because Evan and I are, are having this conversation. I, I told you the other day that he's looking to transition possibly in his life, and, and now the target for Evan has come from here to here. And that's what happens with all of us. Our external things become moving targets. I'm in this house, but I, I wish I was in this house. I'm in this truck. I wish I was in this truck. I, I, you know, I, I don't know whether I told you this or not, but when, when I bought this plane, I, I thought this would be the plane. I, this would make me happy forever. And everybody just laughed at me that flies. And the reason is because when you get comfortable in the plane you're in, you always want to move to the next plane that's just, a little bit faster and just a little bit bigger and I thought when I bought this one nope this is all I'll ever want and just the other day I was looking at another plane I thought man I would like to have that plane and I as soon as I said it I went oh my gosh six months ago I thought this was it and now six months later I'm kind of thinking just a little bit bigger just a little bit faster that's what happens with external things in our life. And, and when you do that, 
your happiness and your joy always is a moving target. Listen to what John said in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the pride in possessions. It's not from the Father. It's from the world. And the world is passing away with all its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Man, you want to know how to achieve great joy in your life? Something that I'm still learning and I hope you're still learning? You achieve great joy in your life by doing the things that God wants you to do. Chasing after God. Well, one more thing I, I just want to share with you real quickly. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. So I'm hoping that you're sensing the hope that comes when we don't lose heart. That when we forget about the external things. In fact, you know, the pregnant man emoji and all the other examples that I've given you, I, I, I hope those things aren't crushing in on you and you think, man, there is no hope. Because I can promise you there's hope. Because those things are outward. Those things are external. And yes, they, they, they may be changing our world, but this world is not our home. We're just passing through. So you don't have to lose hope over all that. The other thing that I, I just want to encourage you with is, as, as we close out is that you need to be doing that, gaining that hope by renewing your mind. That's what Paul says here. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Man, I don't have to give you a whole lot of instruction here. Paul is pretty clear. Our job is to renew our mind and it's on a daily basis. Now, hear me say this. Hear me say this politely, uh, in love, uh, but with a desire to help you have hope. If your walking with Christ involves you just checking in with him every couple of weeks, then you're going to find yourself losing hope. If your walk with Christ involves you to coming, coming to church every few months, you're going to lose hope. If your walk with Christ involves you uh, talking with him, praying to him only every once in a while, you're going to lose hope. The prescription that the doctor who loves you and died on the cross for you and rose again three days later to forgive you of your sins so you could have a relationship with him. The prescription he wrote for you is every day come to me and I will give you rest. And bring your burdens to me and lay them down and let me carry them for you. He took that prescription card and he wrote on it, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. 
And that's what he wrote, and that's what Paul is trying to bring us back to. You want to have hope? Come visit the Lord on a daily basis. Somebody criticized Zig Ziglar, the motivational speaker. You know, he was always trying to give people hope, and somebody criticized him one time and said, motivation doesn't last. And Zig Ziglar said, you're right, it doesn't last, but neither does bathing. So I do it every day. I get up and take a bath, and then I try to motivate myself to be a better believer than I was the day before. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to get up every morning and say, it's time to be renewed with my walk with Christ. It's not a once a week thing. It's not a once a month thing. It's not a once a year thing. It's not a check the box thing. It's a every day I want to get up and meet my Savior. You know, our, our natural tendency in a car is to run on empty. I, I, I don't know if you've seen people have these conversations, but one of the things they'll ask is, who's the kind of person who likes to watch their car go to empty before they'll just then fill it up? And I'm not like that. I'm usually a guy that gets down to about a quarter of a tank, then I start thinking, eh, I, I need to fill my car up. The other day, Laura and I went to fill our cars up together with just kind of a weird thing that happened. And uh, she said, I need to fill my car up. And I said, well, I need to fill my truck up too. It's on the quarter. We'll just meet at the gas station. So we met at the gas station and I was putting gas in my car and she was over there. And so being the, the uh, incredible godly man that I am, I walked over to her car and, and took it out and started filling it up. And so it was filling up and it took like $7 or something. It clicked off and I, I did what any guy would do. I thought, man, that, that pump's wrong. And so I started again and it clicked off again. And I started again and it clicked off again. I went, something's the matter with this deal. And I turned to Laura and I said, how much gas did you have? And she said, well, I had over half of the tank. And I went, what are you doing at the gas station? <laughs> He had a half a tank, and she said, well, you were going, so I just decided I would go, too. And I went, oh, okay. My mind doesn't work like that. My mind works the quarter day. Some of you, your mind worked to, I, I'm on fumes here. Maybe tomorrow morning I'll get gas. That's how you work, and I'm going, how do you do that? The, the problem is relating that to your life. It's okay with cars. You run, run out of gas, I don't care. But when you run your life like that, when you go, I don't need to renew my mind daily. I, I don't need to talk with the Lord. I, I don't need to walk with the Lord. I, I went to church a few months ago. I'm good for a while. When, when you live your life like that, you're going to find yourself exhausted. Coming back to Christ and then walking away from him again. Coming back to Christ and then walking away from him again. Until you you find yourself daily walking with him. I, I can promise you this. If you find believers who are daily walking with him, even though they're struggling, maybe something going on, because it doesn't take the struggles away, it just gives hope to those of us who are struggling. Listen, the, the truth is, and this may not be very hopeful, but I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is those people who are walking in an incredible relationship with Christ, are struggling no differently than you're struggling, probably. But the difference is they know where their hope is. And that makes 
all the difference in the world. So today, this is the hope that I, I hope you have found and that you'll embrace, is to commit like the Apostle Paul did. Commit to, to inwardly being renewed day by day and knowing that this world's afflictions are only momentary. The other day, Laura asked me to listen to a few minutes of a podcast, and I listened to it, and one of the guys made a statement that reminded me again of what this life is like. Um, and it reminded me because we were turning on our block, and as we were turning on our block, we were driving up, past a house. I don't know how many of you know this, but so we, the, the block I live on now, we live at the end on the right, but we lived on that block before on a house on the left. So we had built this house and lived in it while our kids were growing up. And then after they were gone, we moved down to this house and built this house. So this house here, that's two houses up on the left, was the house that we built back in 2000 and I was listening to this podcast right when we were turning on this street and the reason I'm telling you this story is because my mom's favorite tree of all time was a dogwood tree um, long before I ever moved to East Texas my mom talked about how the dogwoods were just so beautiful up here in the azaleas and she would talk about that, and then God planted me 40 years ago right in the middle of the dogwoods and the azaleas. And my mom telling me that the dogwood was one of her favorite trees um, when she was still alive. I don't remember if it was a birthday or anniversary, but I went to James Avery and bought a dogwood necklace for her that had a, a diamond in it and gave it to her. And, and she loved that thing and cherished it. And when uh, she went to be with the Lord, she wanted Laura to have that necklace, and so Laura still wears that necklace. It reminds me of that dogwood tree and how much my mom loved that necklace that I gave her, but loved the dogwood trees. So I'm listening to this podcast, and this podcast is talking about hope. That's one of the reasons that Laura wanted me to listen to it. And the guy that was speaking on the podcast, Jim Dennison, said, you don't ever plant a tree for you. You plant a tree in hope that somebody else will get to enjoy it one day. And as he said that, I was literally driving by the house that we built in 2000 in the dogwood tree that I had planted out in front. And that dogwood tree is huge now. I don't know if you know much about dogwoods. They're hard to get to grow and they're hard to get to survive. But this dogwood that I planted in 2000 is big now and it's flourishing, and every time it blooms in the spring when I drive by, I think about, I planted that tree and it's not in my yard anymore. It's in somebody else's yard, and they get to enjoy it, but you know what? I still get to enjoy it too. I drive by it, and I get to see it, and I get to be thankful for what it reminds me of. It reminds me of my mom, and it reminds me of the hope that we have. Now, when we moved into the house that we moved into now seven years ago, I planted another dogwood, and I was looking at it just the other day, and sure enough, it's beginning to flourish, and it's beginning to get bigger. And I thought, 
I'm going to get to enjoy this dogwood maybe for a while, but I hope that somebody else gets to enjoy it too because I put in the work and the effort. Paul's basically saying that to you and to me here, and that's what I want to close with. I want to close with the fact that we go by life in one of two ways. We go by life yard by yard, and we make it hard. Or we go through life inch by inch, and then it becomes a cinch. Listen, I, I don't know what next year holds for you. don't know what it holds for me. I don't know what next month holds for you or what it holds for me. I don't even know what next week holds for you or next week holds for me. But I do know this. I know he holds today. And today I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to talk with him. I'm going to renew my mind and do the very best that I can do today to walk with my Savior because I know he holds tomorrow and I know he holds next week and I know he holds next month and I know he holds next year and I know one day, one day when my life is coming to an end, I can lift up my hands and he's going to hold me too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we have our hope in you. And Father, even though our outward bodies may be diminishing, and even though they may be struggling, Father, our inward bodies are being renewed and being prepared for that day when you will call us home to glory. So, Father, we ask that you would help us to not look at external things that really hold no value, but, Father, that you would cause us to look inward at our hearts and prepare them more and more to be like you each and every day. God, as we prepare to sing to you again, May you hear our voices as a sweet sound in your ear. And you, may you be blessed by what our voices say to you, even right now, as we lift them to you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we'll sing with Jenny and Jason again, and we'll worship the Lord. I hope that you felt renewed. I hope that you feel hope. And I want to invite you at this time when we sing together, if there's some decision that you need to make, maybe you don't know what it's like to have a, a personal relationship with the Lord. Maybe you don't know how to renew your mind because you don't know what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ. I would love to visit with you about that. Maybe you're looking for a church family to call your own and you're thinking Holly Springs should be that family. Maybe you're looking for a place just to come down to the front and pray for a moment. Maybe you just want to pray where, where you are. Whatever God's calling you to do, I, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll have the strength to do that as we stand together and as we sing with Jason. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
Jason so much. You be in prayer for Jason and Jess. They're just a couple of weeks away. In fact, you may walk in here on a Sunday and not see Jason leading worship, and you may see Drew leading worship instead. So anyhow, we'll, we're excited about what the Lord has in store for them. So you, you be in prayer for them as they're getting ready to have their first little baby girl. So we're excited for that. Um, you know, Next week, we'll preach about hope again. We'll stay right here in this same passage. So if you want to go back and read 2 Corinthians 4, kind of as a precursor to what's going on, that would be great. We'd love for you to do that. And then two Sundays, we'll celebrate uh, in here, and we'll have a deacon ordination and have a wonderful time of worship as we ordain six new deacons into our congregation. And the last thing that I want to share with you before I dismiss you this morning 
is on August the 15th. If you'll please mark that on your calendar and if you can do anything within your power to be here, we want you to do that because that's the Sunday that we'll celebrate rededicating our sanctuary. We think we can target being all finished in here by then and we want to have a big celebration with communion and baptism and all kinds of things. So if it works out, that's the Sunday we will celebrate uh, the rededication of our sanctuary. You can see that there's work being done uh, every day, every week, and this week we're hoping to get a whole lot closer to being finished and having some new things in here, so we're excited about that. Thanks, as always, for being here. Your faithfulness means so much to me, and I hope that you have been encouraged this morning, and I hope you know more than anything how much the Lord loves you and how much he cares for you and how he wants to walk this life with you. May God bless you and keep you. You're dismissed.